Welcome to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast, where we talk about family and consumer sciences education. Each episode is geared to support, recruit, and retain the professional FCS educator. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate with you today, families and careers. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. So with me today, I have Dr. Shelley McGuire, PhD from Cornell Institute, who had a huge focus on the maternal and infant nutrition with a specialty around breastfeeding. That's just her title. She is also the director of the Margaret Ritchie Family and Consumer Sciences Program out of the University of Idaho. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, Dr. Shelley. And I really appreciate the time that you've, we've had just chatting uh, prior to <laughs> this conversation. But first of all, we've had a great conversation. So just thank you for taking the time. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to, to share your knowledge, but also share your program. So please introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much. We do share a passion. No question about that. So, yep, I'm the director of the Margaret Ritchie School of Family and Consumer Sciences at the University of Idaho. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, but in fact, it's, you know, this is one of these quintessential um, home ec programs. We were the actually the first home ec program was called the Department of Domestic Sciences back in the late 1800s at, at the University of Idaho. We're the oldest department at the university, and we were the first home ec program in the West, and we're still going strong almost 125 years later. And we're, we're in a one-stop shop for uh, family and consumer sciences. We have degrees in apparel, textile, and design. We have a degree, couple degrees in nutrition. One leads to dietetics career. The other one leads to medical school or, or the likes. We have a human development family studies program, and we have a child development program and another program, this early childhood education. So you're certified to teach through third grade. We also teach classes in personal family finance. So basically we do it all. And then we have graduate programs as well. And one of the beauties of still having an intact collegiate level FCS program is that we also have a fantastic teacher education preparation program, which is in combination with the College of Education, Health and Human Sciences here at the University of Idaho. So Really happy to be part of this really dynamic FCS collegiate program in beautiful Moscow, Idaho. If you haven't been here, come here sometime. The campus is just really spectacular, a classic campus. And pleased to be here. We taught through COVID face-to-face, and we're looking forward to teaching face-to-face and being back to normal in the fall. Yeah, and so with Moscow, Idaho, you are not far away from Pullman, which is Washington State University. So you're kind of in my backyard, kind of. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. It's a good place to be. And it's an interesting contrast because Washington State University closed down during COVID. They were completely online. And at several points during the pandemic, they were a hot spot for COVID. Whereas University of Idaho, we stayed open. We were face-to-face. We did all the precautions. We tested students and our COVID rate stayed really low. So that in itself was a really interesting comparison between how two good universities handled things in you know, respectable ways, but ended up with very different results. 
Yes. And oh, it's just the research that you have now to be able to base future thinkings around is, you know, it's astounding. It really is. It's interesting times that we're living in right now. That's for sure. Well, I would love not only, so I love hearing about other universities and their programs and being the one-stop shop because we need more of these teacher preparation programs for family consumer sciences education because we do need to you know fill that teacher pipeline because we are hurting nationally there's out in new england they have i think very minimal teacher preparation programs when it comes to family consumer sciences educators or education programs there's a huge push in illinois texas south dakota nebraska and here in washington and idaho we have these hotspots for family consumer sciences education and that teacher preparation program, which you're talking about. But we need more of these programs because it's the vitality of and the longevity for our legacy, because our programs, they're not going away anytime soon. No. And not only do we need more training programs, but we just have to get the word out to students that this is a viable career. I mean, we have 100% placement. You want to get a job, be an FCS teacher, right? I mean, you know that we've left and right, there are job openings. Mm -hmm. So it's part of it's just getting the word out that this is a real job. It's a fantastic job. And not only would you, you get to go to a university and learn all these skills that are incredible, but then you get to have a career in that. I mean, I don't know of another program with 100% placement like that. Yeah, it, well, in how we're able to impact the future. You know, talk about being change makers. We're able to influence somebody's life every day mm-hmm. for the better. Yeah, yeah, in so many ways. And it cuts across every gender identity, it cuts across every socioeconomic group, it cuts across everything. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine a better job. I think if I were to redo my career, I'd probably be an FCS teacher. What was I thinking all those years ago? <laughs> Well, I think you just, you what you have your PhD in and your specialty is, that's fascinating to me. And when you said what you specialized in and everything, I immediately thought of my co-teacher, Miss Rhodes, who she's got an infant, my best friend, who is also a family consumer sciences teacher, Amber Evans out at North Carolina. Hi, she has an infant. So I have another family consumer sciences teacher out at Grandview who is pregnant and just we're all touched by somebody who has babies or we've had our own children and we're all impacted by this is what I'm saying. So with your maternal and infant nutrition research and with that specialty around breastfeeding, I would love to hear about this very fascinating study that you did out at the University of Idaho, here just in my backyard. It was a nationwide study on through the Gates Foundation on COVID and breastfeeding. Yeah. So this is, I love talking about this and I never get to. So thank you for asking. This has probably been the most difficult and important study that we've ever done. And I think like everybody else, when the pandemic hit, we all wanted to do something. You know, it's like, what can we do to help? 
and everybody wanted to help. And people who knew how to sew made masks. People who knew how to do, you know, you did what you knew how to do to help your fellow human being, right? Well, I studied breastfeeding and I studied breastfeeding with my husband, actually. He's my partner in crime, Mark McGuire at the University of Idaho, and then our, our research group. And this is what we study. So I think it wasn't a big surprise that we had this immediate idea when this pandemic started. We wondered if the virus could be transmitted from the mother to the baby via breastfeeding because we know other pathogens can. So for example, HIV can be, unfortunately, can be passed from mom to baby. If a mom has tuberculosis, she can pass that bacterium to her baby in milk. And so these are a few situations when breastfeeding is actually not indicated in the United States if you have an option. So we asked the obvious question to us, can SARS-CoV-2 be passed from mom to baby? And it turns out we did not know. Nobody in the world knew. And we immediately, with Zoom, Zoom was an amazing thing. We were able to connect with colleagues at the World Health Organization in Geneva, with the CDC in Atlanta and other CDC locations, and our colleagues around the United States and around the world that studied milk. And we put our heads together in a very, very short period of time because we knew we had to solve this because what happened at the beginning of the pandemic, other people had this question too. And around the world, infected mothers were being separated from their babies because they were afraid that they were going to infect their babies. Oh, that, just, yeah. yeah, the anxiety, the gut wrench. I'm a mom. And then me too. Yeah. And friends who have newborn babies and I can't even tell you how, gosh, how many colleagues who gave birth during COVID, they were only allowed to have their one partner with them through that process. Well, we're in, the entire family is impacted by this. It's not just the woman who is giving birth. It's the entire family who, who supports that and separating yourself from your child, which However you, if you breastfeed or you bottle feed, that is your nurturing, mm-hmm. no matter what. With the information that they have at that time, we always make, we try to make the best decision with the information that you have, right? Mm-hmm. And having that information of what was there at that time and then saying, I won't breastfeed because I'm too scared. Oh, it was horrible. It's horrible. It was horrible. And so the first recommendation that came out of the U.S. CDC was to separate. And there was no scientific evidence yet to support that, but they were taking the precautionary principle. So luckily, we were able to get almost immediate funding from the Gates Foundation to figure this out. And our results, and there were a couple groups around the world that we were trying to figure this out simultaneously. And so what we did, and this is from our living rooms, basically, and our lab people going into the lab with a closed university, we couldn't get stuff that we needed, you know, and we're doing this all from home. But we were able to, using social media, recruit COVID-infected moms from across the country who were so passionate about helping us get the information that they were willing to be in a study for us. And we shipped them milk collection supplies. They even took blood samples from their babies. They did heel prick 
facts from their babies and, and themselves to, to help us get the answers. And uh, they worked with us over the phone and we ended up recruiting 60 some moms who were just amazing. And we shipped them all the supplies to their homes. They collected the samples. Did They did the surveys on the phone with our research support people here in Moscow, Idaho, and Pullman, Washington. It's amazing what you can pull off. And sent back the samples. We actually worked with a company called Milk Stork. Who'd, I hadn't even heard of them. And Milk Stork is in a business to actually transport human milk or breast milk from moms like when they're traveling. And they turned into a wonderful research support for us. They were able to ship ice packages to women's homes all over the country for them to put the milk in and then ship it back, ship it to the University of Idaho. And then we were able to take the milk and take the blood samples and analyze them. And it was incredibly difficult. We put together these kits with full PPE on because we didn't want to contaminate the kids. And, and by the way, we were also this was a little risky on our part because we actually had to figure out how to handle the samples that might be infected, right? So there was just so many layers of challenge, but the research group really figured it out. And to cut to the chase, we were, we were not able to detect any virus in any milk sample. It really informed the global recommendation for women to keep breastfeeding because there are so many benefits to breastfeeding and we could find absolutely no reason to not breastfeed. So it was a race. It was a race to figure that out. And thank goodness for like the Gates Foundation that came through because normal funding mechanisms can take a year. We didn't have a year Mm -hmm. because every single day, moms and babies were being separated. We don't have that kind of time when it comes to that kind of stuff. That was a here and now situation. And well, my goodness, you know, talk about challenge accepted. Well, what else did we have to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) What else did we have to do? I don't know. Oh, but our group has never worked so hard. I've never been so tired in my life. And we would have weekly meetings with our program officer at the Gates Foundation, and they wanted the data faster than we wanted the data. And it was just quite a collaboration, but there was so much pressure to do the study and to do the study right and to do the study quickly. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll probably that will be the most important work we, we ever do. We've done a lot of other fun things, but. Well, so has that research been published? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, so I'm not a huge research person when it comes to reading or anything like that, but is this article, is this a long article or is it a short article, which maybe, you know, even in high school, we have our human development classes. Could this be something that, you know, our human development classes could actually read and then be able to decipher? I I think so. And it's also, you know, we've written more user-friendly versions of the results. And if anybody wants any of that stuff, shoot me an email. You can find me on the University of Idaho website. I'd be happy to send you any information that we have. I'm also, you know, I'm also happy. I love talking about this and the process of science and how we didn't know that. And also, this is such an FCS topic, if you think about it. It's perfect. It's how do we support moms, children, families in a crisis, right? Mm -hmm. And it involves nutrition, it involves childcare, it involves all of that. 
And so I have actually zoomed into some classrooms and just talked to kids about what is it like? Like, how do you answer a question like that? How do you have a question and then answer it? And that's the whole process of the scientific method. And, you know, scientific method is solidly within family consumer sciences. We use it all the time. We base what we do on science and evidence. And we can't forget that. It's always part of what we do. And it, it's what makes us rigorous. It's what makes us, you know, not just playing around in the kitchen or, you know, messing around with how we raise our children or teach our children. It's based on science. Well, so it's just a good reminder. It, that and it goes back to what our mission or our vision statement of we're the people-centered science. science. We are. Sorry, I, I have to put the, the pluralism on that. <laughs> the people-centered sciences. And yes, what you say is completely talking about rigor, academic rigor, and meeting us right here and right now, which makes us relevant. And that is the reason why we will always be relevant because we're constantly revamping our curriculum and our content to meet today's needs. We're not just talking about the home. Yes, we are, but we're focusing on all aspects because we want to improve everybody's life for the better. And knowledge evolves and it should evolve. And how we do things, how we treat each other, how we eat, how we clothe ourselves, you know, we are constantly evolving with that. And, you know, a good FCS program evolves right along with it. FCS teachers, you know, it's why there's professional development. It's why people have to do continuing ed because things change and there's always a new question. And, you know, to have the skills to answer the question is really the goal, right? Yeah. In order for creativity, you have to have an inquisitive mind. So that is all of us. We all have these inquisitive minds for that creativity, which then goes on to thinking, how did somebody come up with the, because I, I'm not breastfeeding and I don't have infant children, it wasn't even on my brain or my radar to even think about how breastfeeding could, is that impacted by COVID? I never once have I thought about that throughout this entire pandemic until you brought it up. But yeah, there were a lot of women though. I mean, this affected millions of women. And you know what amazes me is this isn't the first time this has happened. This isn't the, this isn't our first rodeo, right? And what's unfortunate is that these sort of issues that are going to come up over and over and over with the next pandemic and the next pandemic and the next outbreak, they're not really taken seriously. Like we should have had a plan in place to figure this out, but we didn't. We started from scratch. And uh, this is where I see FCS professionals and and related groups, you know, coming up. Like, what is the plan? We need a plan for the next time. Now, because you say that, do we have that baseline to be able to springboard when we do have that next pandemic? Like, I, I think about Ebola. So we had Ebola, we had SARS, and for whatever reason, it wasn't a pandemic here. From my knowledge, I'm here only in Western Washington, so it didn't affect us in my in my part of the world. But was that a pandemic for other women and families when it comes to 
breastfeeding. Yeah, absolutely. Transferable. It is. We know it is. Wow. Ebola is transferable. Zika is transferable. HIV is transferable. This particular virus is a respiratory virus. Maybe that made it non-transferable. I think every single pathogen is going to take immediate targeted study. And to have that set up, let's say, with the CDC, so that they regularly test other fluids, right? They don't test milk. They don't. So, nope. Really? So it, nope. And guess what? Women make up like, you know, about half of the world. Yeah. And a lot of them are in their childbearing years. So this is what I'm talking about. Like, let's have a plan in place because this took individual researchers trying to find the money, trying to find everything, trying to put everything together, trying to reinvent the wheel rather than having a government agency like the CDC take it on from the start and answer the question start. All right. There's a better way to do this. There's, there is a better way, but it's putting the right people in those certain places. <laughs> it has everything to do with the right place at the right time. And of course, money talks. <laughs> money talks, but I tell you what, when you got a lot of passionate people that want to answer a question, they get it done. So regardless, we'll get it done. Isn't that the definition, the very definition of perseverance? I believe so. <laughs> I believe I, so. so I would love to just hear more about this study. It, it, it truly is fascinating because I never, I talked to Dr. Kyle Robertson a little while ago about prison education. And I had never even thought about how when a convicted criminal is sentenced to prison, I've never thought about how it impacts the family and what support systems there are for a family. Is there any other sort of education programs for people, for women, for families to support them when it comes to this kind of research and how it yeah, we've had a pandemic and how it's impacted us. Yeah. I mean, people look to the authorities. So they look to the CDC. They look to American Academy of Pediatrics. There are some breastfeeding support groups, but unfortunately, you know, people look to the internet right now and they look to social media and there's way more bad information than there is good information. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's just so much pressure on, on young parents right now. And doing things right. And a lot of parents, they don't have the support from immediate family. So they do turn to social media and women have to, families have to be really, really careful about that and really focus their, you know, try to get information from reliable sources, things like the American Academy of Pediatrics, because it's so easy to get bad information. And in this case with COVID, people were looking to the World Health Organization and they were looking for to the CDC and they were looking to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Unfortunately, they didn't have the same recommendations out there because we just didn't have data. We just didn't know. So now that your recommendations and your research is out there and published, are people being directed to this information or is it just kind of like, yeah, here's this recommendation, but then you have your own personal bias and being putting a spin on things. Now, you know what? I think we nipped this one in the bud soon enough so that we we were communicating our results to the WHO and the folks at the CDC long before it was published. And so 
because of our data and then because of uh, our colleagues around the world who were also trying to figure this out, the recommendations became aligned relatively quickly to support breastfeeding. Good. And so, like I said, we nipped it in the bud. I think had we not found out good data, you know, for months, for several more months, I think a lot more damage would have been done. Personally, even though, because I do not have breastfeeding age children, I'm thankful and grateful for your research and your call to action and advocacy when it comes to this, because this can go down towards so many different rabbit holes of social and emotional wellness. Okay. personal wellness, the family, and in saying, okay, we have the research, we have that backup information to be able to confidently go forward and say, and give that recommendation that breastfeeding is safe and to reunite those women who are breastfeeding during that time period. That That's the phenomenal research and well done. I applaud you. <laughs> it, it was a total labor of love. Yes. Well, I just hearing your passion about this, it, it most definitely is a labor of love because that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> what we do. Well, gosh, you've, you've just, you've enlightened me. You've, you've sparked my, my neurons. And so I'm not, I'm, I'm like, going, oh my gosh, what else could I, what else can I ask? <laughs> so for national studies, the Gates Foundation how did you reach out to the Gates Foundation to be able to to be awarded this, I guess, this kind of research money? Because that takes a lot of money to back up and to be able to get all of the supports in line to be able to pull something off as quickly as you did. Yeah. So we've had we've been funded by the Gates Foundation for other work. And so we we have a personal relationship with some of the research we call program officers at the Gates Foundation. And so I will say that the day I got passionate about this, I sent our contacts at the Gates Foundation an, an email, just send her an email, and they responded. So that's how that worked. Well, that's... I was very that's, lucky. I also sent an email to, to Dr. Fauci. I was going to send an email. I did. I sent an email to everybody I could find. And we actually got a response from Fauci. I mean, they couldn't fund it, but... It did give me confidence that what we were doing was really important. But the Gates Foundation, we had funding from them very soon thereafter. Well, we have a lot of thanks to give to the found, to the Gates Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's uh, that's amazing. And as quickly to be able to m- make sure that that study was going to happen as quickly as it did, because we're reuniting families with that kind of information and you're making an impact in somebody's daily life right then, right there, right now. So that's, that's a big deal. Well, I've loved having this conversation with you. I just truly thank you for shedding light on this because who knows how many FCS teachers are out there listening to this and didn't even know about it, or just like me, kind of like you're kind of, your head is in a completely different world when it comes to having kids, like my kids are in that in-between tween teen stage. So I'm out of that realm of infancy and child development. But how many of us are going into pregnancy and having children or yeah, just having all having this kind of information, we are just setting ourselves up for future success is really what it is. If knowledge is power, right? Absolutely. 
do you have any shout outs? Because I think this has been a fantastic conversation. Is there, yeah, would, do you have any shout outs that you would like to to share? Oh, gosh. No, I mean, gosh, if Melinda Gates happens to be listening, I know she liked that study. So thank you to to both of the Gates folks for funding that. But no, I, the only shout out I have here is to our research team here at the University of Idaho. And we, we worked with other folks at at Washington State University and actually at University of Washington and Tulane University and University of Rochester and Harvard. It was actually a multi-site study that we coordinated here from Moscow. And then the other shout out would be to the FCS faculty here who worked through the pandemic to provide a great education to a bunch of students. And that wasn't easy. So huge shout out to them. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Well, thank you to all of the site coordinators who help ensure that the study would come to fruition and to be able to get this information out as quickly as possible. Thank you. I know as a teacher, this year has not been the most, it's been challenging, let's just say. So a very challenging COVID year, and it's definitely an experience for the history books, but we're all living history. And I'm now proud to say like, oh, I, I know somebody who contributed in a positive manner when it comes to supporting families. And that's really exciting to know. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And as always, for Connect FCS Ed communities, please join the FCS Tips Facebook page. Find me on all social media campaigns. Share. Sharing is caring. We're better together when we come together to support family consumer sciences education. We are not your mother's home economics class, but we are the future family consumer sciences. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Each episode on the Connect FCS Ed podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families everywhere. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Thanks again for spending your time with me today, and be sure to visit fcspodcast.com for past episodes and resources to help spread the word that family and consumer sciences is today's home economics.